Hey everyone, my name is Joshua T. Berglund and I want to thank you so much for being here today. Some of you may know me from other broadcasts that I've done like Gratitude Unfiltered, Gratitude Unfiltered Remix, A Conversation with Joshua T. Berglund, Spoken Word by Joshua T. Berglund, Kingdom Minds. <laughs> what else have I done? I don't even know. Um, we've created a lot of broadcasts. Morning Gratitude, Morning Gratitude with the Mayor, Joshua the World's Mayor. We've created a lot of broadcasts. And every one of the broadcasts that I've created has been simply because I got bored doing one thing, felt led to create something else, felt led to go, you know, go in a new direction, have a new focus. You know, either way, it was just box after box and category after category. And every time I created a new show, it was me trying to escape being boxed in, being put into a category. And then, of course, what did I do? I put myself right back into a box and a category. I don't want to do things like other people. Part of why we felt led to create a nonprofit media organization with other than just, you know, to elevate voices for the voiceless and to be a voice for the voiceless and to equip the people that have not been equipped and to, to, to give a platform to those that have been silenced. Like we, we did all of that because that's what we were led to do. And but part of the reason why we did that and wanted to do that is because we know that with media, you can do anything, meaning you can make your own rules. You can say what you want to say. Are there still consequences for you saying what you want to say? Yeah, absolutely. Part of why I keep shifting and changing directions and doing different things is because, well, I keep getting censored and getting even getting kicked off of my own network which was because we were using someone else's technology, but nonetheless got kicked off. I've battled censorship for speaking the truth and saying things that other people don't want to hear or made them uncomfortable. I've alienated the people that love me and people that care about me for speaking truth. And I still stand by the truth that I spoke. Now, I do want to say this in this broadcast or whatever the heck this is, a newsletter, I don't know. But whatever this is, even though we're going to distribute out to podcasts and who knows where it'll be, it's all going to be centralized at joshuatberglin.com. By the way, I have some really exciting stuff. I'm, I'm really pumped about this and also really pumped about a new direction the foundation's going, which is the same direction, but it's just different. I'm so excited about all of these plans. But anyway, we, we started our own network after being kicked off. Where in other words, we bought the technology for it so we could avoid censors. Well, in doing that, we also had the grand idea that we were going to be the life raft for everyone else and that we were going to be the digital Noah's Ark to allow people to come have their, 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 what is it, distribution outlet for free speech or to speak the truth, to elevate other people in their dreams. And all had this big vision, big plan, but unfortunately, we didn't have any of the money to do any of those things, so we tried to do it with what we had to be good stewards of what we had to be, you know, to, to honor what we had, but we wanted to give it away. We wanted to give it away all of it. And here's what I experienced in this journey. Cause by the way, we lost the network as far as all of our apps and all of the thing, the fancy stuff that we had, but the network, the live mana network is still going. In fact, we're still on the live mana network. It just doesn't look, the same as it did before. It doesn't have all of the options. Everything is centralized. 
which was kind of awesome that this happened. It sucks that we've spent the money that we spent and money that we wish that we had today. Um, especially as we found out today, we have, well, I mean, we haven't paid rent in two months. So, and God bless our landlord, uh, for giving us a little bit more time and then also giving us the option to get out of our lease. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't even know where we're going to go. Quite literally, this serving and only serving way that we decided to take it. By the way, there's a lesson here. I'm going to talk about prophets and apostles. I'm going to talk about false prophets. I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff, and then hopefully it all ties together. Visions from God, downloads from God, doing what we feel led to do. I'm going to talk about every bit of it I can today. Good. My screen's still working. Everything's good. Okay. Change technologies today. So I keep looking down because I'm so used to my computer freezing up, my mic freezing up and all this other stuff because of the, te the technology we were using. And it's been this amazing ride that we've had all of these different gadgets and fun things. I've been able to play with a lot of different technologies while building my own. It's been a wild ride. I have zero regrets about offering to give away all of our services as a media organization. I have zero regrets, even though we've ended up empty handed. I have zero regrets for taking steps in faith and doing what I feel led to do. Although right now it looks like a mistake. One I get to learn from. I never in my wildest dreams thought that serving the Lord full time without asking for anything would end up with me being broke or not having money, me facing eviction. I never thought that would happen. But I would be a lying fraud if I said any differently. We made a decision as an organization in May of 2020 to give away all of our services. It, I know it made no sense. It made no financial sense. There's no business sense. None of it made sense, except for that's what I felt led to do. Defied all logic, this approach. I can't believe we lasted as long as we did, to be honest with you now, looking back at it. And it's interesting because it's really easy to go, well, the people that want to teach and give things away, it's because, well, there, there's no value in what they're giving away. Ah, oh, that's perception. That's perception. And, and it's true. People perceive free stuff to be shit, to be garbage. And it wasn't. It's not. Because the truth of the matter is, even though we've promoted ourselves as serving and only serving and, and, and targeting this demographic that I know for a fact needs the services we offer, more than they need anything else. And I'm not saying that to be cocky. Lord, help me. I'm not saying it to be cocky. I'm saying it to be truthful. This media knowledge and the, the skills that you need are what you need for the new world, the fourth industrial revolution, where we are heading faster than you can see it. Started talking about it almost three years ago. So the problem was, and this is where I'm stepped back and I repent from this, or I don't, I don't know if this is something you repent from or not, but I repent from it anyway. Because while we were operating as a nonprofit, we had paying customers and people that was another group. And we made all of these videos and customized media services for this group of people. And how we have funded our organization and our network and all that other stuff came from that work. But money only lasts so long. I mean, thank God we have more gigs that are coming up. And thank God that I had an acting job and all that stuff is going to pay. But this, I, we neglected 
pursuing paying customers. You know why? Because I didn't want to give the information that I have, the knowledge that I have to people that already have a bunch of money because all they're going to do is take that and like it's it's going to further divide the rich from the poor. And we want to help the poor. We want to help the meek. We want to help the people that can't get a regular job. So here's the thing that I realized in this in this in this process. I learned that people don't value free things. The the people that hired us love the work we did. That's why we have more work coming up. Not today, but we have more work coming up. They value what we do. They love what we do. And awesome. And they're kingdom businesses. And the, the whole mindset of kingdom is to multiply, to multiply each other. So as a foundation, I'm not, we're not going to give, just give things away. Look, if you need what we have, we will help you. We will, we'll, with consulting, coaching, advising, all of that. But we're also going to go, we're, I mean, as far as our services that require our time that, you know, the eight hour projects, 10 hour projects, five hour projects, three week projects, like we got to charge for that stuff. And we will charge for that stuff. We should be, we should charge for that work. And we will. My wife is an award winning filmmaker. She made it a film with B roll. She's excellent at what she does. We've won awards for our film. We won awards for voiceover. We've won tons of awards. And we do good work. And so we get to change. Now, here's the other thing as a foundation, what we're doing. Yeah, we're going to have services that are that we will happily give away. Some that we require being charged or, you know, if we can get donations in, great. You know, like a scholarship, we're, we're working that out where there's going to have scholarships to pay for people to join. And then we're going to have a value for value exchange. So if you don't have the money for our services, for the work that we do, creating a podcast, creating a TV show, creating a movie, creating a commercial, uh, video assets, video marketing, SEO, website building, any of that stuff. Like if we do this for you, we, we were going to set it up where there's a value for value exchange. That way we can multiply each other because it's dead energy if I just give and then you take and run away. Unless if you're going to multiply it, unless if you're going to go sow into other people, it's not really doing the work of God, at least the way that I'm starting to understand this. We want to multiply. We want to elevate. And yes, we will serve those that can't do anything back. That's not the question. But we get to value what we want other people to value and what has value and what we do has value. So I believed with all my heart that we could serve and only serve and not ever ask for money and not ask for donations or rarely ask for donations. I believed that we could do all of that and God would just provide. I repent from that because if I led anyone astray about that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I hopefully you're not suffering any consequences. I'm suffering them. And I'm okay with that. I I've learned from this experience. It is humiliating. It sucks. I put all my faith in God that this was going to work because of what I felt led to do. And that brings up a question. How many of us, including myself, do what we're led to do, but what's leading us? 
What's leading us? Is it really God? Is it the Spirit of God? Is it really the Holy Spirit that is giving these downloads that put us in action? How do we know it's really God? How do we know it's a Spirit? How do we know the voice that we're hearing? Is is it ours? Is it our subconscious? Is it our conscious? Is it God? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it a demon? I don't know. I got to repent from a lot of different stuff today. And the biggest thing that I'm going to repent from is the fact that I have no spiritual authority to preach the word of God. Especially because I have my battles with the word of God. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible is the literal word of God. I believe it's inspired by God. I believe it's absolutely inspired by God, but that also leaves room for man to put his hands in this Bible and change text. Change what says it shouldn't be changed. Revelation, and I'm not qualified to preach the Bible, okay? I want to make this clear. I've said this from... Every broadcast, if you've ever seen me do a broadcast, if you've ever seen any of my other broadcasts where I'm reading from the Bible, reading devotional, talking about it, I've always said I am not a biblical scholar. I've always addressed up front that I question a lot about the Bible. I fight with the Bible all the time. And yet I still think it's the greatest book ever written. But I am not a spiritual authority to anyone. I don't want anyone following me. I don't want anyone trusting me or taking what I say as to be the actual, like, word of God. I'm not God. I'm like the furthest thing from it, from him. I want to be more like him. I want to be more like Jesus. I work to be more like Jesus. And I live my life to make God happy. And yet, I'd be lying out of my teeth if I told you right now that I am not more confused about what's real and what's not than I've ever been. Oh, I know God's real. I know the Holy Spirit's real. I'll never, ever, ever, ever question my experience in L.A. County Jail. Facing five years in prison. my That experience that I had, and you can read about it in The Devil Inside Me. It's a book my wife and I wrote, and it is my testimony. And it is an uncensored, brutal, honest truth about the life that I lived before Jesus changed my life. And Jesus did change my life in a supernatural way. But let's talk about the supernatural. I don't know what's real about that and what's not either. You see, when I gave my life to the Lord, it was a supernatural experience. And it was enough that it shook me. It changed everything. And you got to understand, nothing was changing me. Nothing. I tried everything. I did the rehabs. I even went to church a bunch. Didn't help. Mentors, tried other religions, nothing. It was a radical moment with Jesus. But the, the steps leading up to it, all the crazy, inside that jail cell in isolation, in L.A. County Jail, in the psych ward, all of it. 
I can't ever question that moment. Therefore, my faith, I cannot ever question. I cannot ever question the love and the redemption power of Jesus Christ. I can't because I've experienced it in my own life. And yeah, I'm getting ready to lose. I mean, we're losing our home. One way or another, we're losing our home. Like we've been given options that are not so awful. But the fact is, we lost our home. <laughs> like we're losing our home. And we've got to find a new place to live. And we get to do all that with no money. That's where we're at right now. But it doesn't change my faith in God. Because my relationship is not dictated on money and success. Because in the end, I mean, worldly success sounds amazing. It does. I've had a $105,000 car. I've had, I mean, house, house is nice now. But I've lived in nice places. I mean, and, you know, I, I've, I've done all that. I had all that. I relentlessly have been pursuing my dreams, all while trying to elevate others and help others live their dreams. And so far, I'm failing at both. But my faith is not shaken in the Lord. My relationship with Jesus is not troubled. I'm not perfect. I sin and I and I hate my sin. Because I want to be everything that God created me to be. But I got to tell you something. Oh, I need to go to this. Going back to the Bible part. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to these words, God will add to that person the disasters written about, about in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away the ones that share. God will take away that one share of the tree of life and of the holy city, which are written about in this book. Okay. So it's interesting because I have a question and I could be wrong, but biblical scholars. Isn't each book. So if it's talking about this book in Revelation, wasn't Revelation written before the construction of the Bible? So in that statement, is it talking just about Revelation, changing anything in Revelation, or is it talking about the Bible? Because it is a historical fact that the Bible has indeed been changed and modified. Words have been added and taken away. Books have been taken out. Sentences added in, removed. That's a fact. That hasn't changed my love for Jesus. That's a fact. So what is Revelation referring to? Is it just Revelation book or the whole book? And if it's the whole book of the Bible, the whole Bible, then that statement alone it discredits the fact that this would be the literal word of God because it can't be when there's multiple versions of the Bible. Now, is there an explanation for it? Yes, there has to be. Is it a good one? Is it one that's going to make me feel better or anyone else feel better or bring anyone else to truth? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the real reason is. I mean, I have my suspicions. I mean, because I'm no fan of the Catholic Church. But, and the other thing, too, that I'm confused about. So, uh, let me back up. 
So I was talking about like when I gave my life to the Lord, I had the supernatural experience. I went searching for ministries, trying to find a church home in California. I went to all the Rick Warren, Rick Warren's church, Erwin Manis's church uh, in California when I was living there. And look, I mean, they're great churches, not going to lie. I, I I enjoyed my experiences at the church up until, well, not not at Erwin Ir- Manis's church. Um, I still not really sure what I think about all that, although I love the church. I'm not a, a theology expert, so I'm not here to question people's theology necessarily. Not the way that some people do when you see these YouTube videos. Um, but I remember at a Bible study at a men's group at Saddleback. And again, I don't want to trash. I'm not trashing Rick Warren or that church, just that men's group that I went to. And I remember in that Bible study, there was something that we were reading and I felt compelled to share part of my testimony. My testimony, as depicted in the devil inside me, is ugly. Almost 20 year chemsex addict, HIV, multiple divorces, homelessness, um, Overdoses, six overdoses, jail six times. Battling my sexuality, being an che- being a cheater, being an abuser, being abused, all of that. Evil. An adventurous, wild, evil life I lived. So, but I am comfortable sharing my testimony. Boldly. <laughs> when you read The Devil Inside Me, you'll understand. Or if you've seen any of my other broadcasts, and this is not a broadcast, but if you've seen any of the other stuff that I've done, you you see, you you, you can tell. So I, I I can share really painful things comfortably. God conditioned me for it. So, but I was rejected from that church. I wasn't welcome back. I freaked people out. So, end up back in L.A. Find a new church. And I got introduced to the charismatic world, faith healing. But that's not what got me. In fact, seeing all that stuff freaked me out. So what this is about right now in this moment at 22 minute mark is prosperity, faith healing, deliverance, all of that. I've gone through six deliverances, I think, maybe seven, maybe five. And I don't, I'm not even sure there's one in there that I am pretty confident probably gave me evil spirits, but I've been through it and I was demonic. I was possessed. I needed deliverance, but the church I went to, I I should be, do I want to say the names radiance international? I'm just going to say the names because I don't care. I don't care. But I remember when I first walked in a dude, I walk in, and if you've ever been to this church, it's right on Sunset Boulevard, like right in the pit of hell, and also the greatest street ever made in the history of uh, modern world, the Sunset Strip, L.A. <laughs> Freaking love it. But this this church, walk in, dude, like, looks at me, big eyes, whoa, and proceeds to lay into me with words, words of knowledge. Words from God. His word wrecked me. Wrecked me. And I believed every single word of it. Be, and, and, and here's the thing. It all aligned with the things that I wanted to do in life. 
I became friends with this guy. And you know what? He very well may be a real prophet. I don't know. I haven't seen his prophecy come true, although I've moved in that direction. And that said, I started moving in that direction more in a more focused manner with the word that he gave me. Started moving forward in more intentional. Now, the reason I highlight that is because I wonder if this path that I set out on was inspired by that word or if that was what God was leading me to. Now, I think about all the dreams and the visions that I had when I was young about the singularity and the fourth industrial revolution. Was that God or was that a demon? My desires to do the things that I, well, that I do now, the things that I'm great at, that I'm good at, that I love to do, that fulfill my heart's desire, that make me feel good, that make me feel I mean, love, because I love to do it. I love to help people. I love, like, I'm in my wheelhouse. But that word is when I stepped on the accelerator. Was that what I was supposed to do? I don't know. It's been five years. Other churches. So when I leave L.A., and I was very sad to leave L.A., I didn't want to leave L.A. because I was in L.A., Pursuing my dreams. And I wasn't succeeding like in a big way financially. But every day I got to swing for the fences. Every day was home run derby. And what I mean by that is I was positioned in a way that every day of the week I could do something that allowed me to express my gifting. I'm seeing, speaking, um, producing getting to act, getting to do voiceover, getting to do my talk show, all that stuff. Every every day of the week, there was something. There was an opportunity. And I didn't want to leave. But a prophet, I'm taking a course. It's my first introduction to kingdom business. And by the way, I was drawn to this kingdom lifestyle before I even really knew what it was or saw anything in the Bible to make me be convinced that this is the life I needed to live. And because, you know, you've seen all the kingdom courses and the kingdom billionaires and the kingdom this and that. And personally, I'm starting to think that's all bullshit. Also, forgive me, Lord, because at this point, I don't really know. Because really, when I read the Bible, I don't see things that talk about kingdom business, kingdom way of living. I see the kingdom strong construct. And if I listen to Dr. Miles Monroe long enough, then I'm obsessed with kingdom and that lifestyle and that formation of how everything's supposed to work and that system that everything's supposed to operate in. Like I, it's motivating. And when I listen to Miles Monroe, it excites me. It encourages me. It lights me up. But I don't know that that's sound doctrine. I don't know. It sounds good. It feels good. And when I apply it to my life, I'm living a really good life. And I'm not worried about all these other little petty things. But is it sound doctrine? I don't know. So back to uh, the faith healing churches. So I'm going to these churches. And every time I go to one, I'm like, I'm getting addicted to the supernatural. I'm getting addicted to, even though I didn't understand talking in tongues at that point, 
I'm I'm hearing it. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. But then, but I'm addicted to the supernatural because I had a supernatural experience. So therefore, I think everything about God and Jesus is supernatural, meaning we have this supernatural power inside of us because of the Holy Spirit. But it's a slippery slope when you think about that, because that could make you theoretically believe that you are God, little g. Or you are Christ consciousness or whatever. And I don't understand all of that either. So <clears throat> seeing the supernatural, seeing the faith healing, I, I'm believing that this is the way that I'm like, the, I, this is Christianity. This is following Jesus. So as I'm drawn to the supernatural, I'm getting these words. I find myself going to more churches that do this kind of thing. I'm calling it full gospel where you're seeing healing. You're seeing laying hands on. You're hearing prayer language and talking in tongues. You're seeing people fall out and drop out like flies. You're seeing people talk about growing legs. You're seeing people raised from the dead. You're hearing all this stuff. And you know what? Who am I as a new believer to question any of the stuff that I'm hearing and seeing from the people that are spiritually feeding me. So then anyway, kingdom course. <clears throat> I'm in LA, don't want to leave. I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing my dreams in a way that I'm immersed in it. But I hear this guy named Pedro say the words, if you don't do all, if you don't heal all the wounds of your past, you will not receive all that God has for you. That stuck to me and hit me in my spirit and hardwired into my brain. And there is n there's still no getting it out. I don't even know if that is sound uh, doctrine, but I've said it a million times and I believe it like it's the truth. I'm believing as if Jesus came down and said it specifically. I don't know that Jesus said that. I don't even know that God said it. But it feels right to me. And so I've operated in that belief system. So I left L.A., went to Oklahoma for ministry training. You know what happened in ministry training? Well, talk about signs and wonders, prophets and apostles. So I go to this ministry training. And it's all about kingdom of heaven, all about healing and deliverance and setting you free and living as a king and a queen. It's exciting to the years. You know why? Because I lived a life of destruction. I lived an evil life pursuing the desires of my flesh, pursuing greatness, pursuing billionaire status, because that's what I believe that I'm capable of. Why I went into the nonprofit space to serve and only serve blows my mind when I fully know how to make money. I'm good at making other people money. But I, I neglected trying to provide for my own family because I was trying to please God and do what God wanted me to do. And I'm believing in the supernatural. I'm believing because this is my destiny that it's going to happen. So I just need to walk it in motion. I need to walk in faith and operate in faith. And you know what? I know it says in the Bible to do something like that. But to which level and how specific, I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows, to be honest, but it made me believe that I could just live by faith. I could serve and only serve and God would provide. And guess what? God did up until this. But every month was a struggle. Every month was a disaster. Every month was stressful. Every month. 
And here it is. I'm telling my wife, I feel led to serve. I feel like this is what God wants me to do. So I did it. How many of you out there have done stuff that you felt that God was leading you to do only to go, maybe that wasn't God? So I go through this training. I go through it. I'm hearing all of it. And it's like courts of heaven washing my feet in weeping, washing everyone's that was there for that training. They washed their feet and wept. And there was this whole sword ceremony and praying in tongues and deliverance and laying on hands and prophetic words and all this stuff. I'm caught up in it. And it sounds so good. And it feels so good. And I'm believing that I'm supernatural and magic. My prayers all became name it and claim it. And then I would confuse myself if I'm praying the right way, because really, ultimately, I'm here to serve God. I know God is the ultimate authority in all things. He is our creator. There is nothing without him. There's nothing that happens without his say. God and the devil work together. I know that doesn't make people comfortable, but he does. Think about it. Think about the story of Job. The devil doesn't do anything that God doesn't allow. And then, of course, there's the whole conversation that maybe the devil's just in your ears. I don't know. I know one thing. It feels like we live in hell already. And I I don't really like this. I'm sure as heck not going to like the real hell. And at the same time, I also know that we have an opportunity to live in heaven here. But that's like a spiritual place. It's not like we really see it. We can feel it when you're elated and joy. And maybe it's when your third eye opens and all of a sudden you can hear God and see the supernatural. And like when it happens on its own, I don't know. I don't even know if that crap is real. You know, the verse in the Bible about the eye, the light of the eye. I mean, I did an episode talking about how the pineal gland, or I'm sorry, the Garden of Eden is the brain. That's a fascinating uh, interview with uh, Ryan Zier, I think his name is. That was mind-blowing. And it actually kind of seems right. But maybe I'm wrong. Because there's people that think that Adam and Eve, it's a literal story. They they, they, they really believe that Adam and Eve were the first man, man and woman. Boy, that brings up a lot of questions, by the way. If they were the first man and woman, I don't think they were. I know it's in the Bible, but I don't think they were. I don't think they were the first man and woman. And there's two creation stories in the Bible. And I don't profess to be an expert on it. I don't know. I have theories. But you know what? I think everybody else has a theory too. Because here's the thing. You get, I'm going to break this down for you. So let's just say that this Bible is the only Bible on the planet, this version. And this version is a NCV. God, I have a lot of versions of Bibles. They all read differently, too. It's amazing. Okay, but let's just say that this is the only version of the Bible available for anyone in the world. Well, guess what? In this same Bible, there's many, many arguments that will happen. One of the arguments is... Well, okay, so there's no other text, so I can't use the Revelation argument. Oops. Um, Pre-trib, post-trib. Now, 
Does it really change your relationship with Jesus if you believe pre-trib or post-trib? No, it really doesn't. It doesn't affect you believing Jesus is your Lord and Savior at all. But guess what? Pre-trib and post-trib are two different religions, two different belief systems altogether. That is a source of contention amongst believers. So I've been watching all of these videos. Actually, I wonder, I can't, oh, it won't let me share the screen. <laughs> okay. So this new software doesn't allow me to share a screen. Who knows what we're going to settle on. There's so many new fun technologies out there. We're going to play with a few. And so the look of this, whatever this is, is going to change a lot. Not that it hadn't changed a lot before. It's really going to change now because I'm playing with different things. Um, talk myself out of forgetting what I was talking about. Oh, so the pre-trip, post-trip, two different religions. But then, but there's more. Did you know in Revelation, that some Bibles says, when it's talking about the mark of the beast, some versions of the Bible says on, some say in. Two different things. Because if it's on your skin, well, that could be a stamp, it could be a tattoo, it could be a, a QR code. But that could be put on you easily. Without you even knowing, you could be asleep. Well, I guess theoretically, if it's implanted in your skin, you could be asleep for that too. But even that, it's two different belief systems. And here's the point. Those two issues, and there's many more. There's many more. Let's not even get into the homosexuality, how that word was put in. And I still don't even know what's right about that. Because I do know that God, everything God does has a purpose. Everything. And, and since pleasure is a trap, because we get addicted to pleasure. Think about it. We get addicted to food. We get addicted to cigarettes. We get addicted to caffeine. We get addicted to cocaine, hookers, whatever, sex. So pleasure is such an easy distraction. It's, a, it's an escape. And it's not that God doesn't want us to experience joy and happiness. Well, I don't know about the happiness part, but joy, yes. Joy in the Lord. Um, but... God, so the pleasure trap is simply, so I have this argument with uh, homosexual marriage or relationships. Like I've done a ton of research and looking into the origins of the word, when it was created and so on. And like, if you compare it to when the Bible was made, the original word, what that word really means, how that correlates with homosexual and what homosexual means, they don't tie together. So the story from the church doesn't really match up. The story from the people that own the publishing rights of the Bible, of the versions of the Bible, that when they put that word in, there's quite the story there. And that um, broadcast is also available. Oh, by the way, when we left our network, we left all of our content, too. Um, it's gone, except for it's all backed up on Rumble. So if you want to go find videos that you can judge me for or say he's a hypocrite or a false prophet or any of that stuff, go for it. It's all on Rumble and Odyssey and Library. Um, I'm moving forward, though. I don't want to lose track because I do want to go back to that statement. But so all that content's there. But so what I said in the, the gay, bisexual and perverted Christians episode was that I 
like I backed up the historical uh, history of the word when it was put in. All of that is in that episode. But that said, and that's an argument defending homosexuality, but also in that same episode, I convicted myself because if you don't know already, I battled my sexuality for most of my life. It's been the source of most of my nightmares and trauma and pain and the pain that I've caused others, to be honest. And that episode, even though like I found this, oh, okay, well, so God doesn't hate me and think I'm an abomination because I'm gay. But then all my other actions, like, oof, I was convicted. So like while I, and and here's the thing, like I don't have a clear answer. I'm not going to judge anyone on anything. It's not for me to do because I'm not perfect. I'm not going to judge you if you're gay or you're bisexual, or you're transgendered at all. Because to me, I don't necessarily believe it's really wrong because I you'd say the Bible is a little word of God, but that word homosexual wasn't even in the Bible until 150 years ago. So, but that said, I also convicted myself because of the ways that I may have uh, looked at engaging or possibly going back into that lifestyle and open it up because I'm trying to find peace for who I am because I'm having an identity crisis as God heals me. Like I'm trying to learn what's real for me and the healing from DID and, and like, and then trying to figure out, okay, was this the drugs? Was this the mental illness? Was it, what was it? Why was I acting this way? Why did I have these desires? What was it? And I, and I felt like I was neglecting a piece of me by ignoring this bisexual side of myself or whatever label you want to give. But here's the problem. All the ways that I wanted to exercise exploring all of that, potentially, all led me doing something that wasn't of God. So therefore, I may have justified that homosexuality or bisexuality is okay However, the ways that I know to act upon it are not. And considering the fact that I don't really have a desire to get in a relationship with a man or be in a relationship with anyone other than my wife, it really was sexual. I mean, I can be attracted to a lot of people. It doesn't mean I need to be married to them. I can be attracted to a lot of people. It doesn't mean I need to be having sex with them. And even if it was okay, it's still risky having multiple partners. So like none of this is of God. This is not lining up. So it was really, really strange. My conviction was like, oh, okay, good. God God still loves me regardless of where I'm at with my sexuality, even though I don't know what it is because it changes. Well, and then I got convicted with like, well, now I know at least how I'm supposed to behave. And I know you can say, well, the Bible tells you how to behave. But if you don't have the ears to hear, you don't have the ears to hear. Period. About anything. How many times does your spouse or your partner say, you're not hearing me? You're not hearing me. Because you're not. Or you're getting gaslighted and it's really they don't have the ears to hear you. The same goes with the Bible. You can gaslight yourself with the Bible if you want to. I don't know if that's theologically sound either. Anyway. So. 
I don't know what's right. The arguments that you could have are all set up to cause more arguments. Any line in the sand or any opinion that you draw about this Bible, you're going to create a new landmass for yourself. It is splintered. There is no argument. So anytime you try to come at this book with an argument or any type of historical fact, you create, you create a huge wave of problems. And if you don't interpret it the way that other people do, then you're blasphemous and a false prophet. But the problem is, how do you really know how to interpret something that is not literally written? How do you know how to literally interpret something or to even speak about in an honest way when you don't even know that what was put in here was actually really the word of God? Because God didn't write it down. He didn't take the pen. He is not the printing press. So how is it the literal word of God? When I'm just going to open up any part, Samuel. About a month later, Namash, the uh, Ammonite, and his army surrounded the city of Jebesh in Gilead. All the people of Jebesh said to Nivash, make a treaty with us and we will serve you. God didn't say that. It's not the literal word of God. Because if it's a literal word of God, there is no commentary. It's just God's words. And that is not it. It doesn't take away the value from this book. And But anyone saying, if the Bible doesn't say it and it's not true, that is a convenient argument. That's like saying, well, if the government didn't say it, it's not true. If Dr. Fauci didn't say it, it's not true. You're still putting your faith in man. At least the way that I see it. And I'm not saying that I'm right because I don't know. Gosh, I got 15 minutes. Okay, so I this faith healing moment. I, I, I don't want to wind up with this. The supernatural prophets, the apostles. I've had more people randomly call me to give me words. The words that I've received from people that I didn't even know that called me after during a relapse saved my life, and yet at the same time. Those very same people that called me and did something that saved my life, I question every single one of them. One of the people has hurt me over and over and over again while hanging over the fact that he saved my life, because I've given him this credit publicly, has hung that over my head and weaponized it against me like I owe him something. And I thought I did. No one owes you anything if they're treating, or you don't owe anyone anything if they're treating you like garbage or speaking ill on your name or whatever else. I, I don't want to say their names. I don't want to hurt anybody. But my God, I almost wonder if they work for the devil. Because again, those words were like pumping me up, making me believe that I was something greater than I am. And look, I. I I got a big enough ego as it is. I have a way big enough easy ego. I don't need extracurricular telling me I can do more than I think I can already because I think I can do a lot. As part of my wrestling match with God is that I thought I could do everything. 
And then when I come become totally dependent on God and completely surrender to God and completely go, oh God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you're going to provide. I'm going to trust that you're going to do all these things that have been promised to me through prophetic words. This path that I set on, all the things that I've done in effort and in faith and in trusting has all left me where? And I'm not blaming God for that. I'm not even blaming people because the fact is I believed it and then I ran after it. Is that of God? I don't know. Were those words of God? I don't know. Does God use evil people to do God's work? I think so. Because there's a lot of evil mother truckers out there that have done really nice things for me. And they also then stab me in the back. So, I'm going to end with this. Well, I do want to say this too. All these, whatever they are, newsletters, broadcast, like I don't want to label any. That's why it's just Joshua T. Berglund. I am the world's mayor, but there's no world's mayor. I'm the chairman and, uh, and CEO of the Live Mono Worldwide Foundation, a nonprofit media organization, and we love to serve. We love to help. You want to trade value for value? You want services to trade? You want to like team up? Strategic collaboration? Hit me up. Hit me up. I'm, my wife and I wrote a book called The Devil Inside Me. It's an international bestseller. We made a movie. There's a concept movie that we hope to turn into a full feature-length film so that we can turn it into a franchise to benefit other people. I'm a media missionary. So, not changing, like, the work that we do, the, the heart that we have for others, not changing anything. In fact, I'm not even going to talk about Jesus, and I'm not even going to ta stop talking from the Bible. But I want to make this clear. I'm not a Bible expert. I'm, And I'm going to tell you if I agree or disagree, but I'm not a prophet of God. I'm not an apostle, even though people call me that, and a prophet. I'm not. I don't think. Because I know I'm wrong. Like, God shows me things, or at least I think it's God showing me things, and they happen from time to time. But then there's other things that I see that don't happen. What do I know? Half the people that I've met in the prophetic movement are freaking witches and evil. And by the way, okay, now I need to get to this place. Apostles, prophetic words. All the people calling, giving prophetic words, the ministries that I was a part of, the people that raised me up in ministry. Both groups, it was all from the Pentecostal world, the faith healing, the charismatic, the, the name it and claim it, but deliverance also. The supernatural, people waving flags in the church and saying that drums up the Holy Spirit, going to Holy Spirit classes where I'm learning to speak in tongues. How do you learn to speak in tongues when it's supposed to be the Holy Spirit that's making your tongue move? Because the way I was taught to speak in tongues is hogwash. Just start moving your tongue around and making some noise, and it's an act of faith. Like, 
I mean, look, I've seen some crazy stuff happen after praying in tongues. I did it one time when I was praying for somebody and I and I was asked to go in the prayer line to pray for people. And you know what? I had no business doing that. I had no business doing it because I know that I had something evil in me when I was doing it. But anyway, I'm praying anyway, and I'm still of the Holy Spirit, and I'm but I'm battling with some hardcore stuff. And I'm given that opportunity, and I'm praying in line. In fact, there's a picture of it. Oh, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Never mind, you can't see it. But I'm bending down on one knee, and I'm praying for this little girl. It's that same day. It was my very first time. And I remember when I laid hands on this person, and I'm going, God, don't embarrass me because this is going to suck. I'm going to run for the hills if this doesn't work. I got all these people. I know they're watching. Maybe they probably weren't. But that's what I'm telling myself. They're watching. I don't want to embarrass myself. And I'm like, okay, so I don't know this person that I'm supposed to pray for. know nothing about it. And in fact, they're not even telling me what they need prayer for. No, I'm having a rough time. Okay. So. Dropped. How'd that happen? I don't know. I felt something go through my hand like I was Spider-Man. But was it real? I don't know. Because I know that when hands have been laid on me over and over and over and over again, even during baptism of fire, multiple baptisms of fire, I, I, I never fell out. Never felt drunk. Never felt any of that stuff. But I sure saw it. And all those people that I saw, by the way, rolling around on the floor, like fish out of water, all those people that I saw, I don't want to talk bad about anybody. I'm not trying to do that. But, like, I know how I was living. I know how they were living. Why? I mean, to some degree. Does it make me less holy that I didn't fall out? Or does it make them less holy because they really needed it? And that's why they're squirming around the, the ground, freaking people out. Like, it, so I, 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 what has woken me up to all of this is that I'm watching it. I'm, I'm on, like, never really on YouTube. Of course, now I'm on YouTube all the time, but I wasn't leading up to this day. But that video, like, it was like, look at me. And it was showing the, uh, the Kenneth Copelands of the world, the, uh, TD Jakes who, by the way, has had a huge influence on my life. And if he's a false prophet, then I really want to cry. But then hearing the stuff that he's talked about now that it's been isolated and edited clips, it's like, oh, well, maybe he is a false prophet. I don't know. Because I kind of think we all are. I don't think any of us are real prophets. I don't think any of us are real apostles. And I think none of us really know the Bible as much as we say we do. That's what I think. I, I just, I do. So, I, but I see this video pop up and it's like going step by step. And that's actually why I was looking to see if I could share a video because I was going to share a video. But I'll use a different software next time to be able to show. So, I see this video and it's isolating things that they're saying. And everything that these preachers were saying was basically name it and claim it. Um, supernatural you give you know god will give more back i fell into all that all of it and i don't know how much is really real about 
I know the leg lengthening thing is bullcrap and screw you, Todd, for making people believe that you can grow people's legs. Like, screw you. Screw you for the people that you've hurt. Todd, what is his last name? I don't even know his last name, but from Lifestyle Christianity or something like that. Screw you. Screw you because you're hurting people. All you faith healers, Benny Hinn, screw you. In the name of Jesus, screw you. You hurt people. You hurt people. You prey on the innocent. You make people believe that they're really greater than they are. It's all Jesus. It's all God. It's not us. We are vessels and God can work through us. But this supernatural throwing the jackets and, you know, saying, well, you give to me, God's going to multiply it 10 times over. I've been told that crap to blue in the face. I've seen poor people give away everything. For what? I don't believe that the way that tithing is taught in a lot of these churches is, is correct. doesn't mean that you shouldn't give. We're here to give. Our gifts, our purpose, all of that stuff has nothing to do with us. It's all about how God works through us to use our gifts to bless other people, to help other people, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But this whole supernatural movement, these people... These prophetic prayers with their cash app in the in the in the link and pray for healing, or you pay and like, okay, I, you're gonna pay for a prophecy. You're not a servant from God. How dare you waste that gift? If that gift is real and you're charging for it, you're perverting it. Fake ass healers on social media praying for people, putting a hand on the screen, and then it's going to do something. By the way, you should be freaking careful about who you let put hands on you, and not because of COVID, because because you don't know if they're putting an evil spirit in you. I know in some of those prayer circles where people were laying hands on, I know there was some demon-possessed people. I know there's some people that weren't clean. So if they're laying hands on you, what are they doing? They're sending healing energy from the Holy Spirit, but yet they are, they're full of evil. What are they giving to you? You should be careful about who you let lay hands on you and who you let pray over you. You don't know what they're praying. And if tongues is real, you better make sure it's the Holy Spirit wiggling that tongue and not some other demon from hell. So what's the point of this message? Question everything. God can handle it. God will show you the truth. And while I don't know what's really, 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 really 100% true about anything, except for one thing, is that Jesus and a relationship with Jesus and seeking Jesus' face every single day has radically changed my life. Money be damned. Jesus has changed my life. I'm living the life of my dreams. It, losing things of this earth do not bother me. Because if anything, all of this loss and this struggle, it's helped me become very crystal clear about how we're moving forward, how we're going to serve, and how we're going to help people moving forward. And I'm excited about it. We found a way, media company in a box with our nonprofit. I have 30 seconds left. This media company in a box is going to revolutionize everything. It is going to level the playing field, and it's going to be something affordable for people that don't have a lot of money to basically create a media company in a box. I cannot be more excited about this. I cannot wait to introduce it to you all. It's going to be a partnership through our foundation, and it's also going to be something that I'm I'm working with as an individual. Thank you for being here. JoshuaTBerglin.com. 
please go buy the book, The Devil Inside Me. Uh, all profits from everything that I do, from consulting, from coaching, from mentoring, from production work, all of it, it all goes to benefit the Live Model Worldwide Foundation's mission. God bless you. Thank you for watching. I'll see you soon.